Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. Welcome back to the show. I hope you guys had a fun Cinco de Mayo. Yesterday was Cinco de Mayo, so I hope you ate some delicious food. I had a weekend filled with incredible food. I hung out with my friend Michelle Strand this weekend, who was on this podcast about a week ago, actually. And we ate all the things in Encinitas. It was glorious. And then Cinco de Mayo, as I'm recording this, hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure I will eat some yummy Mexican food, of course. So I hope you guys had a nice, relaxing weekend. I've been thinking a lot about the fact that it's already May and summer is right around the corner. And I just think that May is going to be a big month and some things are going to happen. So I'm excited to see what rolls out. And I always love this transitional period into summer. I'm planning some things for my summer. I'm trying to not travel as much as I usually do, but we'll see. Since moving to San Diego, I just enjoy being home so much more just because San Diego is so fun. And also since starting to see Reiki clients in person, I just love being here so that I can see more people in person. And when I'm traveling all the time, obviously it cuts down on days when I can see in-person clients. And if you're in San Diego and want to have an in-person Reiki session with me, I'm still running a huge promo for the rest of the month and would love to see you. So if you are curious about booking a session with me, you can go to christinaricewellness.com slash services. That's where you'll find all of my pricing and you can apply to book right there. Also, if you're not in San Diego, you can always apply to book a distance Reiki session, which are just as effective. You can be from anywhere in the world and we can do distance Reiki right there. And if you are curious more about Reiki and how it works, just look up Reiki on my website, ChristinaRiceWellness.com and you'll find a blog post all about what Reiki is. That blog post is also linked on my services page on my site. Another update for me is a retreat is coming. So stay tuned. Details will, will come out soon and you're going to want to hop on tickets soon. Um, but retreat will be happening end of July. Tickets will go on sale this month, and I'm very, very excited about this. The retreat last year was in Austin and was probably one of my favorite weekends of my life, just saying. I absolutely loved it. I know all of the ladies who came loved it, so I'm excited to throw another retreat. It will not be in Austin, but details are to come, so stay tuned. And if you're not already subscribed to my newsletter, definitely stay subscribed because that's the best way 
to find out everything that's going on new with me. I put my updates in there. I put favorite products in there. I put recaps of what content I released that week. Speaking of which, I have expanded the membership on my site, which I'm super excited about. Um, a lot of you who have joined love it, and I just want to be able to give more content. So from now on, when you join my membership on my website, it's a monthly subscription. You can cancel at any time, although I don't think you'll want to, but each week you get access to an exclusive health-related blog post. This is typically where I, I share information that I used to reserve just for clients because the idea is that I would like for you to be able to join this membership and do a lot of healing on your own so you don't have to work with a practitioner because some of it you don't need somebody for, um, but you get that health related post. You also get a weekly workout and all workouts that I post can be done from at home because they're all workouts that I have done slash do and I only work out from home. I don't even go to a gym. So there's that. And then you also get a weekly new recipe, which is amazing. So that's the blog content you get. And then you also get access to my Q&A section on my website, which means you can ask me whatever you want anonymously, and then I'll answer it. And then you can also see other people's questions in my answers, all anonymous. And then you also get a free download of my ebook, Paleo Basics, which is my ebook of all my favorite everyday healthy paleo recipes, things I make for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all the things. So I think it's a pretty good deal and you should check that out if you just go to my website christinaricewellness.com and you'll see a membership button and you can click and join there, learn more. I hope you're as excited as I am. And then speaking of summer, I've been thinking I kind of want to go visit Colorado. We'll see if it happens. I'm hoping it does. And I want to go visit the guys from Ned. You guys know that Ned is one of my favorite companies in the world. Their full spectrum hemp oil has absolutely changed my life. If you are not familiar with Ned and their full spectrum hemp collection, you need to get acquainted because this is real deal. All of their products are made from organic, whole, natural ingredients. All of their products are small batch. They're slow crafted. They only source their products from local farms and communities. And they energetically infuse all of their products with binaural beats, positive affirmations, and happy vibes, which as a Reiki practitioner and somebody who is energetically inclined, I really appreciate it because this has a huge impact on the quality of the product. If you are not familiar with the studies and the research that's done on even just blessed water and how blessing it, um, putting positive affirmations and good energy into water can change its molecular structure, then you should definitely look into that. But I also know this through Reiki. Like if I Reiki my food, I swear it tastes different. <laughs> um, the quality is just better. And But just in general, Ned is the highest quality hemp oil. And Ned calls their full spectrum hemp oil, full spectrum hemp oil, not CBD, because actually due to FDA regulations, technically only pharmaceutical companies can use the term CBD. So their products, they say, are made from full spectrum hemp, which they are. And any companies that use CBD in their packaging actually are violating the FDA and they could potentially be pulled off store shelves. So that's important to know. But really the thing is that the true healing powers of hemp is that full spectrum. 
it's not just a CBD, but it's the CBD in combination with the other active cannabinoids. So the CBG, the CBC, the CBDA, the CBGA, and it all works together to really provide that entourage effect that's going to give all of the potential health benefits. And how does this benefit you? It acts on the endocannabinoid system in the body, which unfortunately isn't stimulated enough and people have theorized that a lot of our chronic health issues that have popped up are basically because we are deficient in endocannabinoid system stimulation. The endocannabinoid system is really the regulator of homeostasis in the body. It regulates nearly every biological system in our bodies and this is kind of what's going to even you out, so to speak. So what are some of the benefits of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil? Full-spectrum hemp oil can help to support your sleep. It can be used to help calm you down, help you sleep through the night. Really helpful if you are somebody who has insomnia. It also acts as an anti-inflammatory, a natural pain reliever. It can be used to treat anxiety, PTSD, depression. It's also a rich source of antioxidants, and it's been really helpful in the treatment of serious chronic conditions like epilepsy, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and more. I find that full-spectrum hemp oil especially is very helpful for any of my clients who have autoimmune diseases, who deal with a lot of sleep disturbances or pain, joint pain, anxiety. Really, really helpful. But just in general, I notice that so many people feel better when they incorporate this into their teens, as do I. And also, this came up, but CBD Full-spectrum hemp oil can actually help to balance out your hormones as well. So this it's different. It's not marijuana. So there, it's not going to get you high. It's a major non-psychotropic, um, and it's different than marijuana. It's not marijuana. Um, marijuana can actually cause hormonal imbalances versus full-spectrum hemp oil can actually help to improve your hormones and balance out your hormones because, remember, it's helping to regulate your body system, bring you back into balance. As my hormones have been rebalancing out recently, I've noticed that the Ned Full Spectrum Hemp Oil has helped so, so much. Um, If you are someone who has period discomfort, I highly recommend using your Ned Full Spectrum Hemp Oil. Maybe you need an extra dose around that time, but it really, really helps. And I take it every evening, a couple hours before bed. I do a dropper's worth of the 750 milligram bottle under my tongue, although I could go up if I wanted to, but that's usually what I use. And then you just hold it under your tongue for like 30 seconds and then swallow it. I do recommend starting off with 300 milligram though first, and then you could graduate up to the 750, and then you could go up to the 1500 milligram if you want. This is truly the best stuff on the market. If you just look in the ingredients, you can tell the difference. Sourcing is everything and they have spent a lot of time just nailing down the exact strains that are best for maximizing cannabinoid density, terpene content, and overall plant integrity. They only extract from the hemp flowers, not the buds. They don't use any isolates or synthetic ingredients. The only ingredients are the CBD, the range of other phytocannabinoids, and non-GMO MCT oil. So no flavorings or inflammatory oils, unlike a lot of other companies out there who actually try and mask the flavor of their product because it's not the highest quality. I was actually just talking to somebody who's sort of in that industry and they were saying how so many companies just cut their hemp oil with other 
inflammatory oils and they don't even put CBD in it, which is so sad, but that's why it's really important to pay attention to your quality. So if you want to check out Ned's Full Spectrum Hemp Oil or any of their other products, they also have some amazing lip balms that are infused with hemp and they also have their hemp infused body butter, which is great if you have any aches, pains, or just want something moisturizing. But you can go to helloned.com and check out all of their products there. And make sure you use my discount code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, for 15% off. Again, just go to helloned.com and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, for 15% off. Speaking of chilling out, relaxing, finding homeostasis, I hope you guys are ready to relax and listen to this conversation with my friend Amanda Walker, who is the creator of the Feel Amazing Naked program. She is the host of the Feel Amazing Naked podcast and the blogger behind awalkmyway.com. She is a health style coach. She will explain in this episode a health life lifestyle coach who empowers women to feel their best. She has worked with thousands of men and women, really helping them to conquer any of their fears and confusions that are holding them back from reaching their health goals. I love that she takes a holistic, no BS approach to coaching, and she looks at root causes of her client struggles with food, their bodies, their mindsets, and really just challenges her clients to create more time in their lives and also just overcome any obstacles that are holding them back from living their best lives. So she is a mom of two. She's a wife to another entrepreneur. She coaches CrossFit in her spare time. She does it all. She has her own history of yo-yo dieting, using food to cope with her emotions. And I know a lot of you will really be able to relate to a lot of what she shares in this episode. We talk a lot about, you know, overcoming a strained relationship with food, exercise addiction, as well as a lot of talk about time management and kind of how to take back your day and not be overwhelmed and drawing boundaries, which we know is something I'm very passionate about. And also we get into a discussion about miscarriages and what that experience is like and shame surrounding that, guilt surrounding that, how that impacts your identity as a woman. So really a lot of great conversation here and I know that so many of you will be able to relate and I cannot wait for you guys to hear this one and I also was a guest on Amanda's podcast the feel amazing naked podcast so make sure you go ahead and listen to that episode if you get a chance and kind of want to hear more from me her interviewing me we talk about changing your body by changing your mindset And I loved that conversation, of course. So she is just such a sweetheart, such a genuine, kind soul. And I'm really excited for you guys to get to know Amanda a bit more. I know that she'll get a lot from this conversation. So make sure you let her know what you think about it. I know she will appreciate that. So without further ado, here is Amanda Walker. Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on the show. I'm so excited to chat with you. You have such an incredible like energy and aura about you. Um, and I like love hearing you talk and like, like I love how you just speak your truth. I um, mean, I can tell you're very in tune with your intuition, which I love and I can pick up on. But I want my audience to get to know you a bit more. So can you give a brief introduction about yourself? Tell them what you do, who you are, where you are. Yes, absolutely. So first off, thank you for having me. I'm ending my day with you today, which seems really awesome. Um, but yes, my name's Amanda, um, and I am a health style coach. I've officially adopted that name because um, I'm passionate about helping people um, transform their lifestyle to transform their health. So I run my own coaching practice. I'm based out of Phoenix, but I work with 
you know, it's a virtual business, so I work with people all over. Um, and I work with them one-on-one and also in a group setting to really help them dial in what's holding them back from success when it comes to health. And then I also, too, have my own podcast, which you um, have been a part of, called Feel Amazing Naked. And um, so it's, it's really awesome to connect with so many people that are ready to kind of level up their life. Yeah, I love that term, health style. I think that should be a thing. Like, I well, love let's it. make it a thing. Yeah, let's make it a thing. You are <laughs> pioneering out here. I love it. Um, well, what brought you into the whole this whole industry? Like, tell me what got you into this. I've always been involved, I would say, in the group fitness and coaching realm. I've always coached sports. I was a high school teacher for 10 years before getting into my own business. Um, And I taught group fitness classes. I mean, I'm I'm a little embarrassed to say I have taught step aerobics back in the day. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, cycle and, and total body classes. But I would say the true start of my journey became once I had children. You know, it totally forces you to begin to really evaluate what what is in your environment and what you're putting into your body when you become pregnant. And so after having my own, my son, my second child, I, I myself got very sick and long story short, um, determined I had some autoimmune changes that really needed to be controlled through diet changes. So I got rid of some of those triggers, uh, haven't got, haven't looked back. And I think that propelled me into becoming more fascinated by food and fascinated by like what, you know, what are, what is successful, what isn't. And then um, I found a mentor that kind of took me on board and my own business practice started um, from there. And that's been, I don't know, four years ago or so. What were you teaching uh, high school? Like what subject? Anatomy and biology. So my background is in science. My degree is in physiology. I have a graduate degree in secondary ed. um, But that's kind of where my root, my science brain began. I've always been um, in that space. It's always been um, an area of interest for me. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I mean, I believe that you know everything happens for a reason and that's probably like you were that was your path you know to end up here like um people talk about how career shifts are random but I don't think they're random I think like everything whenever somebody makes what seems like a radical change like whatever you were doing beforehand you were doing it for a reason so you're better prepared for the future career path um so it all makes sense right but yeah um, I would love to hear more about kind of the – what were some of the dietary and lifestyle changes you made personally that helped you um, calm down that autoimmune flare? Yeah, I've always been – I mean, I've always been health conscious, but I can't say I really truly assessed what I was putting into my body. Um, I, I actually – when I got pregnant with my first kid, I was eating like Dairy Queen blizzards frequently because I was struggling to maintain pregnancies and I experienced a lot of miscarriage. And at that point when I got pregnant with her, I like <clears> – <throat> excuse me, I didn't care – I didn't care what I did. I was going to grow a a baby. And I did that by sitting on the couch and eating junk food, which was, uh, sadly, I gained, you know, over 70 pounds in that pregnancy, a little bit less with my son. But afterwards, I began to get super sick. He was about six weeks old and I started having massive abdominal pain. You know, everything you could associate with that uh, is you can, you know, imagine with your, uh, in your brain, it was happening. And, it was reoccurring and we couldn't figure out why. And I was to the point where I was like unable to nurse him. My husband was taking me to the ER and multiple trips to the ER just led to kind of this band-aid approach. Like, oh, here's some painkillers um, that I was refusing to take because I was nursing a baby. And, you know, you ha- they would tell me like, you are a stressed out mom suffering from anxiety from having a new child and eat crackers and bananas and, uh, you know, follow the brat diet and you'll be fine. And I wasn't getting any better. 
And so my intuition told me there was something else going on. And I fell into, um, you know, a, a doctor who agreed with me. And so, you know, this is back when the whole celiac and gluten free sensitivity wasn't really being talked about. It's been, you know, almost eight years. And so further investigation, I had, you know, destruction of my intestinal lining. So he was like, let's pull gluten out. And it was like magic, you know, mm. like literally within the first week I saw a change and um, I've just never looked back. I felt so much better. Um, for a long time, I was afraid to eat just in general because who knows what would happen. But um, I would say that's the main focal point that led to the domino effect of me wanting to know more what's in our food. Why is this happening? And um, so, yeah, that's kind of led me to now. Yeah. And what's kind of your approach with nutrition now? Yeah, my approach really comes from sustainability and balance. I am I am not a get skinny quick or quick health um, advocate at all. I really like to assess what's like what's right for you is not necessarily right for me, but I do think that you have to um, use yourself as the greatest platform for experimentation and figure out what works for you. So balance above all, I'm like the 80, 20, if I can teach people how to truly live an 80, 20 life mm -hmm. where you're filling yourself with nutritious foods, but you understand that, you know, to have some dark chocolate or <laughs> treats every once in a while, or enjoy a piece of birthday cake with your child to be present in the moment is acceptable. If you can really rationalize, um, you know, that, that balance, which is hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard to do until it becomes easy because it becomes part of your identity. Yeah, definitely. I think the whole 80, 20 idea is interesting. And I talk about this too. I'm like in general idea. Yeah. 80, 20, but people get so wrapped up in like, they're like, what's 20%? Like, how can I push mm. 20? And I'm like, you're missing the point. That's, it's not supposed to be a strict number. It's just like, what are you doing most of the time? What's your routine? And then if it comes up where you want to have something you don't usually have, then it's no big deal because you're mm -hmm. typically making great choices, you know? So it all balances out. And I think our focus should be on our ability to bounce back after those choices because that's where most people fall off mm. and realizing if those cravings become frequent, usually I'm like, you know, ask yourself why, because when we ask ourselves why, we usually find that the 20% that we're craving is usually for another reason than just hunger. Um, and we're, we're using it as, I mean, food tastes good. We want to eat food that tastes good. Um, but when we're unable to moderate it, usually there's, you know, other reasons why. And I think it's to really out for each person. So what do you find typically are common reasons that people can't moderate that 20%? Like what, what are some underlying issues you see? Yeah, I would say top, top reason is, is stress and emotional connection to food, but they don't often even know that it is. Mm -hmm. So they'll, you know, a great example is um, because I tend to work with a lot of moms um, that are you know, wearing so many hats, they're either career driven, um, especially women that are, you know, entrepreneurs or working in a corporate space, they're go, go, go all day, they go all night, you know, all day until about four o'clock when they've got their kids home from school, it's dinner time, and they just binge eat, they hit up the pantry, mm -hmm. and they're eating all the chocolate chips and chips and salsa seems to be a common one for whatever reason. And um, they don't attach that to an emotional eating, but really what they've done is deprive themselves all day of fuel. And so now their body's catching up, right, with their cues. And they want all the things because they're stressed. The kids are running around. There's homework to do. And so it's like that immediate gratification right then and there to, to connect to something that makes them happy, which um, 
it feels good in the moment, but later on, you know, causes a downward spiral typically. Mm -hmm. So how do you help someone work through that? What, What kind of action steps would they take? I, you know, it really depends on the person, but I think one of the main two, two that speak to me is, um, as I said before, creating, uh, some sort of pulling a tool out of your toolbox. Cause I like to say there's lots of tools. You got to figure mm-hmm. out what tool works best for you, but being able to remove yourself from the situ- first identifying that it's happening and being able to remove yourself from the situation to really ask yourself that why question, why am I eating all the chips and salsa? Why am I eating, you know, these cookies that were left over from, um, the kids or whatever girl scout cookies right now. And, um, And from there, usually where why leads us to is a lack of planning and preparation to create an environment for success. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, how has your relationship with food evolved over the years? So I grew up, I mean, I... I became, I was a competitive dancer early on and I, I was kind of like a bigger kid, taller kid. So I got to dance with the older girls, which I thought was pretty cool in the moment, but they kind of, uh, I would say charged up my, um, awareness of body image because I was chunky. Like I had baby fat and they were still, they were like these preteens with beautiful figures and boobs. And I was still like this little kid. And so before every competition, they like used to come up to me with their index finger and like push it in my belly and make, you're probably too young to even remember the little, um, Pillsbury Doughboy, like, ah, oh, no, I remember him. Oh, okay. You know him. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I kind of went with it because I really love them and mm-hmm. I mean nothing, but I don't mean any malice about talking about it, but it made me aware that I was different. Mm -hmm. And so I think that propelled me into just being more aware. I was, I I didn't want to wear a two piece costume, a two piece bathing suit. I want to cover myself. And so over time, I definitely know that growing up, I, I shoveled in food, I ate fast and it's still something I'm actively working on to this day. Um, because I do find myself constantly hitting food for, um, some eat immediate you know, gratification. And I'll see it in my business. Like if I have stressed out a stressed out day in business too, I'll even find myself creeping back to the pantry out of still old habits that I've actively worked on myself, but now I can catch them. And I'm like, Amanda, why are you going there? Are you like, check in with those cues, what's happening. And then I can bring it back home usually. Mm-hmm. That's well, I mean, it's hard to develop that, that muscle, like, especially at the beginning, it's like, even when you realize you're like, why am I you know, you can stop and think, why am I going to the pantry? Um, but then it's a whole other thing to actually stop yourself. Like I, I see that a lot with people, like they recognize, they know, they're like, I know I'm eating just out of stress or boredom or whatever it is. But then it's about like, in that moment, it's hard to shift their willpower, you know? Um, how, how do you handle it in that moment when you like, you, you know, you're like, okay, I'm here because I'm stressed. And like, now what? Yeah, I think it's recognizing that the the body and brain constantly want to protect ourselves from change. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about every aspect of life, your body sends you signals like when things are hard. So you can you can feel yourself wanting to take the easy route. And I remember a colleague of mine gave me this great analogy like a ski slope. So, you know, if we're, if we're about to go down this big mountain and ski, automatically the body's like Take the one, take the path that's already been carved out, right? The snow is flat. I'll be, it'll be easier. But the reality is, um, so our brain constantly wants to do that, right? You've already formed those neural connections of poor habits. And so the body will constantly go, that's easy. I can expend less energy to do that. So why wouldn't I do that? 
But when you become actively aware that that's what's happening in your brain, I feel like that's the most powerful shift because then you sense it happening like, oh, the body's doing what it's normally doing. Like it's conserving energy. Um, And then you actively butt against it and can say, I am choosing to take the the path where the the snow is fresh and it's not compact and I'm going to push harder and it's going to take a little bit more work and get there. So I think being being conscious of those decisions or, or that awareness of what the body's trying to do in all aspects of life too. It's like in your business, I'm sure you revert back to what's easy. Like if you have nothing planned in your business, what do you usually do? The easy stuff, like the fun stuff, like mm-hmm. create creative stuff. Um, and then when you, you know, there's the one thing that you keep resisting, it's going to persist until you actively attack it. That's such an amazing analogy. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. Okay. I think that's very helpful for people. I think also, I don't know, have you ever read the book like Brain Over Binge? Mm, I don't think I've I've read many books, um, but I uh, about binging, but I don't. Who I, if you'd said the author, you remember the author? I don't know who the author. I is. I don't so. remember the author, but it's like a very popular book about binging. But her whole idea is just like, you know, people say that with binge eating there's that whole idea that you need to go back to the root of the issue and like work through your, your past trauma. And she's saying it's not that it's just separating. Like there's my, my binging brain, like my animalistic brain. And then like me and like realizing like when I want to binge right now, that's just my animalistic, like binging brain trying to get me to. And then I just have to separate myself out and be like, but I'm choosing not to like, you have these two voices in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a similar idea. Like what you're saying, like, um, realizing that it's just your brain's going back to a habit and it's just your brain trying to protect you and that's just like your brain but like you can separate yourself out out from that voice from that mm-hmm. brain so. and I think too the term binge like for me I I used to connotate binging with you know a, a thousand to four thousand calorie consumption in one setting but it's really a misnomer and so when when women especially listening sometimes they don't think they fall into the uh, binging category but I, I wasn't one of those people I, I'm, I, I'm not like a four thousand calorie binger but I am a eat a whole pizza in one setting and mm-hmm. a whole carton of you know maybe that is four thousand calories <laughs> at occasion but uh, more more often it's just handfuls of things yeah. um, that I'm catching myself in the moment and I would categorize the same work needs to be done in both of those instances because so many times I'll find women you know double their calorie intake between the hours of four to six and I'm just using women in this case because that is my greatest data collection mm-hmm. and um, it's a great example of we can't really even work on like what you're taking in the types of foods you're taking in until we address the root cause of that overconsumption and and what's really stopping you from having success. Mm, Okay. So wait, that's interesting. You said women double, you think that women double their calories from four to six. I I work with so many. This is just a, this is just my experience with many mothers who have gone all day without eating or they, they've grabbed a bar to go. They've nibbled off their kid's plate for maybe breakfast and mm-hmm. lunch. And they're like doing all the things while the kids are gone. And all of a sudden it's like, it's four o'clock. It's like time to make dinner and I'm starving. So as they're preparing dinner, you know, they so often will tell me, I like put out chips and salsa. I grabbed the bag of chips and I ate the whole bag. Like yeah. I didn't even realize I was eating the whole bag. And I think that it's a perfect storm in that situation, but oftentimes it's that immediate gratification, which I really, like I said, stems from a lack of planning for themselves and maybe for their family. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and also just like the stress reduction techniques, um, in the moment, I'm like, 
do you really need the food or can you get the dopamine hit from something else mm-hmm. um, that's more powerful for you? And mm-hmm. kind of related to that, um, which I want to talk to you about is oftentimes people will say like, go on a walk or exercise, um, which can be great. But then I also see that turning into like over-exercising and mm-hmm. um, we're switching out one addiction for another and that's not always good. Um I would love to chat with you more about kind of your relationship with fitness over the years. And I know you, so you said you used to like teach all those classes. Um, Mm -hmm. What what do you do now? And like, how did, how did teaching classes kind of affect you? Yeah. So I definitely, fitness was my addiction, just Mm -hmm. using your words. So in college, it started, um, I, I spent my first year away from home. Um, and I was definitely lonely and sad and struggling with, you know, the normal college stuff. And I became really obsessed with fitness. I was going to school in the snow. I would get up and I would go run to the gym and hop on the elliptical and the treadmill for extended periods of time. I'd come home. There was like a market, you know, I'd grab like a carton of Ben and Jerry's. And so it was that constant consequence and reward cycle that really honestly led into like, you know, the all the way into, um, motherhood. And I, I think that I use fitness as a, um, means of, you know, getting that dopamine hit because it felt good and it justified my poor eating habits. And so I, I think that that's kind of where my, where my poor relationship with fitness, um, started. Okay. So then how did you start to turn that around? Well, for me, when I started making changes um, and sp- spending more energy on my nutrition and mm-hmm. seeing my my body change, how I was feeling change, just the whole energy of, of uh, surrounding me start to change, I realized that I was spending too much time on fitness and not enough time on food. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, the out train a poor diet was definitely something that I hands down relate to. I mean, there was so many times where I would like have a Sunday afternoon with my husband before we would, before we had kids and I'd eat an entire pizza, a carton of ice cream. And then the next day I was like, I got to run at least two hours to make sure that I get all of those calories out of me. And so I think it transformed when I was like exhausted from that. And I started to see the changes in my body when I put more more emphasis on food over fitness. And so now I'm at the opposite end. I'm doing I just kind of wake up with, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lifting weights more because I see the value of, of strength training, which has been probably the last five years. Uh, I mean, I'm a CrossFitter as well, but I've had to reduce the amount of CrossFit I do just for longevity and and hormone health. And I'm just waking up feeling like what feels good, like what sounds good today. Maybe it's yoga, maybe it's nothing. And when I feel like I'm so in control of how I feel with relationship to food, the fitness part just becomes fun again. And it wasn't fun for a while. It was like, I have to do it to justify food. And no, I definitely was in that situation as well. Like I remember it was like, that's exactly what it is. You feel like you have to do it. I know a lot of other women listening to it, uh, listening to this feel, feel the same way. Um, I mean, but that's emotionally hard still to like make that mental shift. Like from, I have to do this to like, okay, it's okay to stop. 
Yeah. And I was just working with a client too, and we're working a lot on mindset with her, but you know, she went out to a dinner with her, with her husband at a lovely night. She ended up having like one or two more cocktails than she really had in her mind anticipated. And, you know, it was immediately, she, she'd worked really hard, but it was like that moment again, where the body wants to protect itself. It wants to go to where you, mm-hmm. where you knew. So she's like, you know, she, she, you know, uh, messaged with me after and was like, I ended up spending an hour on the elliptical. And for the first time in my life, I realized what I was doing, which was progress, right? Mm -hmm. Just being able to have that conversation. But I do agree with you. So many women relate to that. And the reality is, I say fitness is the easy part to carve out 30 minutes of your day to move your body is actually easy. It's being able to make mindful and powerful decisions for yourself. The other 23 and a half hours of the day or 22 hours, 23 hours or whatever, that's really the hard part. Mm -hmm. And so if you think of just sheer percentages of your day and where your energy should be spent would be on the 23 hours and less on the one hour. Yeah, definitely. And I know when I was like so addicted to fitness. It was like, that was my, I would push out how long I was working out because I didn't want to deal with the rest of the hours of the day. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm here, I'm here. So I don't have to focus on anything else. Um, And it's a distraction. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I want to take a brief pause in this conversation with Amanda. Don't worry, we'll be back in just a second. But I want to remind you guys about one of my favorite health hacks that tastes delicious. And that is incorporating Four Sigmatic mushroom elixirs into your daily beverage routine. I have one right next to me per usual. I'm pretty much always drinking a Four Sigmatic elixir. And right now I'm drinking my cordyceps. But if you're not familiar with Four Sigmatic, Four Sigmatic is a company that is on a mission to popularizing mushroom consumption and making drinking mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do. They have a full line of mushroom coffees, mushroom superfood blends, and mushroom elixirs that come in tins for at-home use or single-serve packets, which are super easy to carry around. Because a lot of people don't realize that there's a whole kingdom of mushrooms out there, and they have a ton of different health benefits from immunity to cognition, energy, longevity, stress relief. And these benefits have been studied for centuries and used in a wide variety of different cultures. And the problem is that a lot of people just don't really know how to use these or they just will take the straight powder and it doesn't taste so great. Also, of course, sadly, there is a lot of problems with poor ingredient quality and different products out there. But that's why I love Four Sigmatic because they make drinking mushrooms super easy to do. You basically just add the elixir into a cup of hot water or you can add it into a smoothie or a recipe but I usually just do hot water or some warm nut milk if you want something a little more exciting and they are the highest quality products out there so Four Sigmatic tests all of their products for pesticides, heavy metals, irradiation, mycotoxins, and other factors and all of their mushrooms are wild crafted or law grown and certified organic. They're also the most potent product on the market so you're going to get 500 to 1500 milligrams of dual extracted mushrooms per serving. As far as my daily routine, I typically drink cordyceps or chaga in the morning. Cordyceps is great for natural energy, also great for performance. It's an adaptogen, not a stimulant, so it's going to give you natural steady energy levels, unlike coffee, which can often give you a spike and a crash, but cordyceps is really helping your body to produce energy on its own. It's also really great for athletes who want that natural type of energy. And then the chaga is amazing for immunity. It has a high, high level of antioxidants. It's also been 
used in different cultures to help regulate appetite. I love this, especially when I feel like I might be getting sick if I'm traveling a lot or not sleeping enough and I really want to boost my immunity, I will up my chocolate consumption. Also, if I have a day where I just really need to be focused, I've been using the lion's mane a lot more. The lion's mane mushroom is really great for brain and nervous system health. Lion's mane is an all-natural cognitive enhancer. It's been shown to support memory, concentration, and it's just really great if you're reading, writing, studying, working hard. I love that one as well. Like when I have days, really long days with so many clients, I will have some lion's mane in the morning so my brain is on fire. And then every evening before I go to sleep, I love to have the reishi mushroom elixir mix, which is incredible for stress relief and promoting restful sleep. So you can relax, wind down. I'll drink this a couple hours before going to bed. Sometimes I like to pop some cinnamon in there, some pink salt, some coconut cream, and make just a nice, warm, cozy bedtime drink. Also some cacao powder. That can be really yummy too. And all of those, I typically will just add in hot water or sometimes I'll do a nut milk or coconut milk. I'm also obsessed with their mushroom hot cacao mix. Oftentimes hot chocolate can be like too sweet when they come in like mixes. Um, This one you could just mix with nut milk or water. I even do it with and it tastes amazing. It's not too sweet. And usually hot chocolate makes me feel so wired and just I can't calm down. But I can drink this before I go to bed and I actually chill out because they infuse their mushroom hot cacao with reishi, which helps you just chill out and be able to go to sleep. And then of course their mushroom coffees, which are really well known for. This is going to give you coffee without the jitters. You're going to get a balanced sense of stimulation. They have just 50 milligrams of caffeine per serving. And then their coffee is paired with the cordyceps for body energy or you can get the lion's mane for brain energy and this is actually the only coffee I can drink and it doesn't make me feel wired like I could drink it in the afternoon if I wanted and still go to sleep and anyone who knows me knows that's a big deal because usually if I drink caffeine like anytime I can't sleep for three days so highly recommend checking that out they have so many other products beyond those, but those are just a few of my favorites, but you can find them all at foursigmatic.com slash CRW. Check out their matcha latte, their chai latte, their mushroom chocolate, their skincare. You can actually eat their skincare. That's how clean the ingredients are. You can consume it. This is really awesome. But anyways, you can find that all at foursigmatic.com slash CRW. Again, that is F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash CRW. And my discount code CRW will get you 15% off of your order. So again, that discount code CRW will get you 15% off of your order. If you haven't already tried these out, highly recommend checking them out. I promise they will change your life. Everyone loves a good four sig elixir. Trust me. They are just a part of my everyday life and I cannot live without them. Now that I've filled you in on the magic of functional mushrooms, let's hop back into this conversation with Amanda Walker. I'm curious a little bit more about your CrossFit journey. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that you did CrossFit. So tell me about when you got started with that. I, I started CrossFitting after I had uh, my son. So I've been CrossFitting now seven plus years mm-hmm. um, just because I was kind of looking for bang for the buck, mm-hmm. right? Like I had less time and um, everybody had been talking about this CrossFit thing. Uh, so I tried it and was totally immediately sucked in. I actually coach CrossFit as well. Oh. Um, so I, I ended up 
um, you know, getting my certification to coach. Um, I coach at a local gym here. And I think like most people experience when they begin to love something, um, they, you know, there's so many skill sets involved in that sport that you like, you just want to be good at everything. Mm -hmm. And I had young children and I had, at the time I wasn't running my business and it was my outlet. And so Mm -hmm. I, I, I craved it. I wanted to be good at all the things. And I was, also surrounded by a powerful community, which CrossFit is, I I mean, that above all is a powerful component of the CrossFit environment. Um, But I was surrounded by other moms that were going through the same thing. So for me, I really think that it changed my life on not just the fitness level, but a lot of levels. And so over the years, though, there's like seasons, right? And you, um, you know, my kids have grown up, they, their needs have changed. And so my ability to prioritize my own, um, fitness has to shift as well. And I find myself, you know, having to do quicker things at home, uh, and just really taking the pressure off myself not to do everything all the time. And so now I CrossFit a couple times a week because I love it. I just want to, I get so excited. I found that when I started doing it less frequently, um, I craved it and I get really excited to show up and I started to feel myself again, feeling like I had to go. Mm-hmm. And that's when it, when it starts to feel, um, like too hard and, and not, um, valuable enough in my life. I was like, okay, I want to evaluate where am I at with this? Mm-hmm. It's funny because, so I think I work with a lot of like younger women, um, like younger than me, you know, and I always tell them, well, not always, but I use that tactic with a lot of women where I say, imagine like if you were a mom, like if you had kids and you weren't just worrying about yourself, like, do you think you would have time in the day? Like you're, you're worried about your kids and like feeding them and cooking and like all of these things. I'm like, you wouldn't have the time in the day that you do right now to be thinking about, I need to be working out for an hour. Like what, like stressing over every morsel of food in your body like they spend or even like with body image stuff like um I'm like what if you had other things on your plate to think of that are just so much more important like I feel like with a child it's like this child is everything for me right so it's like that gives you some perspective in a way I would imagine as to like what is important in life and like if I have three extra pounds on my body, like I don't give a shit because like I have a child that's more important to me, you know? I think that's an effective tactic to really envision because I'd also assume most girls you want to work with do want to become mothers Mm -hmm. someday. And so I I have a client who's your age right now too. And we're talking a lot about that together. Like what do you want to create for yourself and how powerful that they get to connect with you right now though, before they enter into motherhood or being married or whatever the case is. So they can get these things um, you know, under control for lack of a better words and be able to be really powerful in choices once they become a mom. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting perspective and I, yeah, I don't know. I, I let's talk about what we wanted to kind of really dive into about, we talked about, um, like time management, I think. And mm-hmm. I think that this is like a much deeper, more important topic than people give it a uh, credit to for being. And, you said you were working with a client that it was just like really driving home for you about like, I don't, I don't know. Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me more about like what she was struggling with and like how you helped her work through that. Yeah. I, I realized it over the years in coaching, you know, when I first started my coaching practice, I was food focused primarily. Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of seeing, you know, success overall, but success initially. Right. And then it would kind of taper off. Mm -hmm. And so I started asking myself these questions like, why is this happening? Why, what's missing? And so 
I dove into it, like did a little market research and started pulling my clients a little bit deeper. And so much of it was like, I know what to do, but I don't, I don't always do the planning piece. And I started to think more about it because the reality is if you're, if you're not planning and and, and time management is really about energy management too, but if you're not managing your time and the energy you're going to spend in areas of your life, then it really has this domino effect. So it's like, um, a mom or a, a younger girl, right? She has this full day of school, of work. She comes home and there's no plan in place. So then it's really easy to say, you know what? I'm going to, um, there's no plan in place. So we're going to drive through the drive through, right? Mm-hmm. So then they hit up the drive through. Now she's created more friction between her and making good choices. So now she's like, oh, but you know, a milkshake, it's okay. I'm just going to have a milkshake. I'm just going to give some to, I'm going to drink some and some of the kids, right? So this whole time portion has a spiral down because then now she feels, She's judging herself for making poor food choices and it perpetuates this cycle when really it all could be uh, contained and shifted if we just work on the root cause, which is really taking on the belief that you can control your week and create the week you want, but you have to create the space before the week begins for it to happen. Okay. So tell me more about that process. So how... How would you, how, how do you approach the week? What can I do? Yeah. So I think the biggest space, the the biggest emphasis needs to be spent on what I call a grounding day. And so many times we're like, oh, you know, we'll just fly by the seat of our pants. And, you know, we'll even say, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to prepare these things. And oftentimes we'll even stop short of an entire week. So I teach the girl, girls I work with and, the, the guys too, but primarily the women, because they tend to be the ones that control the health and nutrition of their family and of themselves, that you have to establish the practice of creating a grounding day. And so I will ask them, like, what's your least busy day of the week? Like, what is the day that you feel like you can take ownership of that's going to set the tone and the energy and the flow for your week? And for most people that Sunday, you know, give mm-hmm. or take. And so it's, it's going through this practice of First, identifying, you know, what are the what are the non-negotiables in your week that absolutely have to get done? Your work schedule, you know, all of those things. From there, it's it's actually doing what our mind tells us not to, and that is scheduling the things that we need for ourselves first. So it's like dream as big as possible. Like you want to get a massage this week, you want to take a hot bath this week, uh, you want to get to the gym three times, you want to go grocery shopping. You can 100% create the week you want by setting the intention before it begins. Because if you don't, you flail around and you're hopping randomly from task to task and you actually lose time and you lose efficiency in your week. And so then they start to go like, holy shit, like I actually have a lot more time in my week than I expected. I'm just mismanaging it and I'm not creating the systems for it. And I mean, from there, it's, you know, especially for for parents, it's identifying. I always say there's a busy night, average night and easy night. So give yourself permission to only cook five times. And the other night's the leftovers. And the seventh night is like, you're probably going to eat out as a family. And so we're really not only designing like the meal planning component of it, but you're managing your time to put a system in place that solves so many of the other health related issues that all boil down to the planning component. Yeah, that's and well, I think what's hard is people, especially in today's society, we feel like if we stop and rest, we are um, not doing enough. And that we don't have that that's wasting time. I think that sometimes people think that self care is 
wasting time, not realizing it's making them more productive. And I know I've noticed it's like on if I have a whole week and I don't have a day where I'm kind of just doing nothing, then my whole week is thrown off and I'm super unproductive the whole entire week. Um, and it's like Agreed. it or it's kind of like fitness. Like we talk about, you know, you need rest days to recover, but like you need rest days from life too, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. But we we are in that hustle grind. And I mean, I've really had to do a lot of due diligence to um, work through that too, because we are taught to, you know, to get what you want, you have to outwork it. And what I've started to see in my business, though, is the more time I build in for self-care, and I'm not talking about like getting a freaking pedicure. Yeah. I'm talking about, um, you know, creating space to meditate, creating space to journal, creating space to plan healthy meals, get a massage or connect with friends, which is something that I could easily in my own life not do because I, I'm, I've got a family and a business. And so the more I create time for those, which I thought I didn't have time for, I thought, no, 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 I can't. But when you create systems in your life to become more efficient, you get so much time back. And all of a sudden, I I see my business shift in a more productive way, too, because then I have way more energy in my life to to give in to to my clients and to, you know, my family, which feels good for everybody. Tell me more about how you manage or how you plan your week and also your day. I'm really curious. Yeah. So, I mean, I wish you could see, uh, everybody could see, but I, I love that the, uh, I use a particular, um, planner. Mm-hmm. And so when I sit down, I, um, I look at my whole week and I identify what, like I said before, non-negotiables first. So that is, I look at my calendar and I'm looking at client appointments and I am building all those in. And I've also been really purposeful in, I leave my mornings open after I take my kids to school and that's my time. That mm-hmm. is my time, my time for, um, you know, usually it's fitness first thing in the morning. And so once I see those non-negotiables, I'm literally, even though I keep a Google calendar, there is so much value and research supports this and physically writing down what you tell yourself you're going to do. Cause mm-hmm. you and I both know it ends up like we throw caution to the wind when we say, Oh, on Thursday, we're going to do X, Y, Z. I know. So I found and I hold, you know, clients accountable to showing me physically show me like I don't believe it when you just tell me I'm going to make this for dinner and I've got, got this appointment or whatever. So then I do I, I go through and I, and I tell myself, you know, I'm going to I'm going to schedule this time I'm going to do, you know, um, this for myself, whatever the week is today. In fact, I got a massage and I've, I've promised myself that I'm going to continue that pattern because I've realized the value of it. And then from there. I, because I have kids, their, their evening activities typically dictate my whole life. And Mm -hmm. so I look at what night are practices and immediately I give myself the permission to have more flow in the evenings by not cooking on those nights. So that's a leftovers night, or that might be our one week of the night where we do take out or go to dinner out before or after practice. And so I find that just that, but I've had so many women and this boggles my mind Tell me when I say and I teach in some of my like free workshops, only cook, like only plan for five meals. It's like all of a sudden I've given them permission to only plan five meals and their like whole world changed. Mm. I'm like, make it easy. Just make it easy for yourself. Because how many times have we reached into our refrigerator and thrown away leftover food because yeah. it didn't get eaten? So you're, you're you know, it's it's kind of not a win for everybody um, all around when we're throwing away junk, you know, leftover food. Um 
But then from there, I'm, I'm really purposeful about time blocking my day and spending short amounts of time on projects and moving. So I'm only in like one space for a little bit of time. And it's kind of like the analogy, why is it when we go on vacation, we get all the things done in two hours that we promised ourselves would normally take ourselves a week. And so if we give ourselves that same intention every day, then it's really powerful. Tell me more about your time blocking. I actually, walk me through like a day. Um, so typically I am up by, uh, 4.30 or 5. Um, it was 4.30. I shifted a half hour lately with winter time, just giving my per- myself permission for an extra half hour. Um, and then I've built the habit of pretty much immediately meditating, Mm-hmm. and I, um, I use a meditating app or if I feel like I don't want a guided meditation, something open and flow, you know, free flowing. And then after meditation, I always journal. So that is just a very regular practice for me. And so that usually takes like the first half hour of my day. Um, and then that usually leads into work after that. So I kind of am kind of I'm, I, I'd say one of the most important pieces that I hadn't talked about was on that grounding day, it's like you're opening up an entire brain drain, brain dump, everything you want to accomplish. And from there, that kind of gets sprinkled throughout my week. Like what, what is it that I want to accomplish Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And so that kind of dictates my time blocks throughout the day. So typically the first thing I I piggyback, you know, the front end and back end of my days with client responses. And then the meat of the middle is either coaching, you know, stacks or is, um, you know, creative projects or whatever that are those to-do list items that I need to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So, but how are you like managing this with kids? Because you got to drop the kids off. You got to pick them up. Like, how's that fitting into your schedule? Yeah. So when I wake up, I plan from 4.30 to 6.30 to work. Mm-hmm. And then from 6.30 to 8 is I time block uh, morning with the kids. So I immediately stop working when they wake up, which is about 6.30. And then it's go time for them to get ready. So it gives, it's really helpful for me. I, if I set the intention of trying to work while they're awake, like nobody wins. Yeah. And so I, I cut it off at 6.30 and then I'm really present with them. And then my once I drop them off, I typically leave the morning time for my fitness first. And then I come, you know, back to the house or wherever and dive into whatever schedule. So in my calendar, you physically see 30 minute blocks of time. Um, 30 minutes works well for me. I know some people love 15 minute blocks on and off. It's not enough for me. So Mm -hmm. I like 30 minutes. So I schedule physically I'm writing in 30 minute blocks of what I'm going to be working on. I'm going to be connecting with. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about this before we started recording, but like you turn off at like two thirty, two forty-five. Yes. I shut it down at two thirty to go pick up my kids. And then I will not reopen work until if, if needed when they go to bed. But I've really tried to be un, like intentional about when my work day is over, it's over. And Um, it's just like, I I have a younger client who I think was the initial when we were having this initial conversation and she's going through grad school. And and Mm -hmm. one of the things we've been working on with her is, which I think is probably relative to most of your listeners is she, she's, I'm so, her anxiety was so high. She came to me because she wanted to actually work on some body transformation goals because she wanted to try out for a professional cheerleading team. She has a background in that. And so we started diving in and her anxiety was so high, um, and her emotional responses to some of the triggers happening in her life it was really clear to me that 
you know, adding that to-do list item was not going to add value to her life. So we started working on time management primarily because she was so stressed out about not getting her homework done for grad school that it was it was putting her into like a really depressive, high anxiety state. And so for basically the first month, all we worked on was time management and working in time blocks, purposeful and intentional time blocks, because what you resist will persist. And, and helping her get control of how to manage her time so her anxiety was reduced mm-hmm. um, because we sometimes we don't know where to start. So it's analysis paralysis. And I know that I'm sure you can relate to that too. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, grad school is a great example also as an entrepreneur. I mean, like I struggle with this all the time. It's like I know I need to have a turnoff time, but I'm like, I need to finish this. And then I end up working way too late. And like, it turns into this thing where you feel like you're working from the second you get up to the second you go to sleep. And then you're just kind of like always running on 50% energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really hard to like, I mean, honestly, like I struggle with this all the time. It's like, it's super hard to like have a strict cutoff. And like on days when I do, I know I feel way better. And the next day I feel better and I get better sleep. But in the moment, I think that there's, there's definitely some guilt around it and also nerves that I'm like, I didn't finish everything I put on my to-do list today. And is that just because I put too much on there? Or is that because I didn't work hard enough? Is, you know, all of those, all of those thoughts come up. And I think that's a great time to evaluate how you structured your day then. Because mm-hmm. more often than not, there are times where I walk away with those same feelings. And then I look at, well, I floundered for an hour and a half and wasted my time because I picked up my phone and I looked at social media. Or I didn't set boundaries with people that um, you know, were asking too many things of me. And I think boundary settings, you know, hold conversation in itself. But I think that when you, if you just, if there is one powerful take home with time management, it's, it's being purposeful, intentional in shorter blocks of time, because I think the payout is huge. So it's like physically, I will tell, you know, clients, I want you to set the, um, my phone's talking. Um, I want you to set the intention, set your timer for, for 20 minutes, just start with 15 or 20 minutes. And I want you to study for 20 minutes and that's it. And it gives yourself the permission to be so engaged and you absorb such a higher rate. And I, I think that studies even show it's like 30 minutes or beyond 30 minutes or something. The, the amount of information your, your brain is able to absorb starts to diminish. And I think that's such a powerful practice. We seem like it's too easy. It seems too simple. And then when we actually implement it into our lives, we're like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this? you know, years ago. Yeah, I I really do want to have a a little conversation about boundaries because I mean, this has been huge for me. And I know basically every single person I talk to, whether it's a friend or a client or a family, um, I think in today's day and age, we have trouble setting boundaries because technology and everyone thinks they are entitled to instant access to us. And this was a big mistake. Like I made like the first like two years of my business was like, not setting boundaries. And then my day, my to-do list turned into everybody else's to-do list. It turned into, you know, I get up and I check and answering all my messages, answering everybody else, answering all my emails, and then never doing what I set out to do that day. Or even like, um, even if you don't start off with checking messages or emails, I just feel this pull with everyone I talk to, like, they, everyone else is inputting what they need to do, they need to do, and then they feel that and then they, they can't get done what they want to do for themselves that day because everybody else. And 
I'm really curious to learn more about like the boundaries you set in your own life so you can get your self-care done and your work done um, also without hurting other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're chronic people pleasers mm-hmm. and we feel that if we, you know, if we don't please people that our value will diminish and our worth will diminish. And I think it all stems back from, you know, working inside your own zone of genius, so to say. And for me, there's lots of boundaries that I've set. One has definitely been in friendship. Um, I've realized, which I'm sure you have too in the last few years, especially when you become really passionate about your work and you put yourself in a position to share and coach people and, you know, be present on social media that, um, you, you expect a certain level of energy to come into your life and what you put out is what you get in return. Mm -hmm. And so the more you give, 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 the more people want to take, take, take. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I, I don't, I, my time is like the extra time I have in my life is about this big, which is like none. And so I know that I want to spend that additional time with the people who are going to share like a mutualistic, you know, vibration and energy. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the greatest boundaries I've had to set was I, I've had to stop investing in relationships that don't necessarily give that back to me. And that's hard. Yeah. I'm very glad you brought that up. This has been a huge topic in my own personal life recently. Like, and I'm telling people, I'm like, you know, cutting, I don't want to sound mean, but like cutting certain friendships out of my life gave me so much more time and creativity. Even people who I didn't realize were like taking anything from me. There are certain people who I'm like, well, I don't really talk to them that often. It's like every once in a while, but they are the type of people who are always taking, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I'm giving, right? And then I didn't realize how much that was weighing on me, even those few interactions. And then it was like as soon as I just kind of stopped communicating with those people, everything got way better. Um, and it's kind of hard to understand until you experience it. I think people don't realize, um, the effects that other people's energy literally has on them. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause it's actually, I mean, I'm 37 and this has been a prevalent struggle with me personally in the last two weeks too, cause there has been some shifting going on and people who I felt um, that I had already, I've gone out of my way to, to give to, because I felt like I could really help them transform. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to find out that that necessarily wasn't, um, wasn't valued. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know if you study Byron Katie, do you study her? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'll enlighten you, but you need to check. Um, you need to check her. She goes by Katie, but, um, she, she, she talks about there's three types of business in life. There's your business, there's their business, and there's the universe or God's business. Mm -hmm. And so you get a choice on whose business you're spending it in. And if it's in their business, then your energy is put in the wrong place. Really, there's only two places that your energy should be spent in. And so that's been a really powerful um, reminder for me constantly when I feel myself um, almost starting to have like a pity party, like almost become like a victim, like, oh, this sucks. You know, why did they do that to me? What did I do wrong? And I realized, well, that's not my business. Like, why am I spending time in their business? And so the more I remind myself of that, the more I I love the fact that, you know, my circle is shrinking a bit and it's really filled with people that are like-minded and kind of get where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Quality, not quantity. (laughs) Um, That's a hard thing to learn, though. Yeah, Yeah, and it's hard also because I think a lot of people – 
stay attached to certain relationships in their lives just because they've always been there. Like, well, I've, she's always been my best friend. That doesn't mean she's a good friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. One of my great friends, you told me, you know, like reminded me, you know, that relationships have expiration dates. Mm-hmm. Some, some is death, right? You're going to yeah. have those friends ever. And some people are plopped into your life for a really short term, but for a powerful purpose. Mm-hmm. And so when we try to really evaluate that and come away with, um, an acceptance of knowing that, you know, there's different levels, right. And that friend pyramid or relationship pyramid, like the very teeny top is just teeny for a reason. Only so many people get access to the whole you and to all of you and to all your skeletons and to all of your soul. Right. And then that next tier has a few more people. They don't get access to everything, but most things. And then it it flows from there and, and people will move up and down the pyramid throughout life or maybe fall out completely. And when you begin to accept that and not try to hang on to relationships that aren't necessarily serving you anymore it feels very liberating yeah definitely you don't realize you don't realize how much was holding you back until you let some of that go um Mm -hmm. and I always remind people like every single person who's in your life is taking up energy and if you want better energy to come in like you're gonna have to remove something you know you're gonna have to take something out because they're taking up space and you have to create space and so people are waiting around for like I think people want to wait to get rid of certain relationships for when a better one comes in because it's easier to let go when something better comes in but something better isn't going to come in unless you make the space for it to come mm-hmm. in you have to like tell the universe okay I'm ready to let this go it's out it's clear now you can bring something better in for me yeah and I and the other piece that comes up for me is this is so applicable to the clients we work with because mm-hmm. I see you know they're working with me because they want to level up, right? They want a better version of themselves. And when we begin to grow, like people have a hard time with that. And they don't physically often say that, right? Mm -hmm. It looks like other behaviors, like just have these drinks with me or just eat the crappy pizza, right? And if we really look deeply into that, it's like your, their growth, your, your client's growth or whoever's growing out there is, is starting to make them feel less than. Mm -hmm. And so it's their, their, it's their means unknowingly and, you know, not necessarily consciously throwing their shit on you and being like, don't grow, like Mm -hmm. stay here with me, stay in this place. Mm -hmm. And so I find that sometimes I'll even work with clients who start to have amazing success and growth. And then their spouse or their best friend, I'll I'll see them want to pull back and they'll physically tell me like, this is hard. Like, and I'm like, this is the pain of getting better and growth. And trust me, it's better on the other side. So keep doing you. Mm -hmm. Um, but that shedding of that skin or peeling back those onion layers is, is, is a challenging process. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because again, that was just a conversation I had with my friend yesterday. We were talking about this, like she's going through some big life changes and, um, has all these ideas for her business that are like creative pursuits. And she's somebody who like, is, is very creative and does well, is successful in that. And a lot of her friends are just saying, that's stupid. You shouldn't do that. Like, that's embarrassing. You know, like this whole entrepreneurial world as well. I think a lot of people also experience this not only in health and fitness changes, but also in business. Like when they're going off to be an entrepreneur, you get all this pushback and people trying to tear you down. And it's just coming from somebody else's own insecurity. And like you said, you're growing and they're not. And people can try and hold you back. Sometimes you know, you can't let people literally be, be a chain to your foot. You know, you, you got to mm-hmm. let it go. Um, if you want to keep going, I think that when people are, um, giving you that kind of pushback, it's often a sign like that you're in the right direction. Cause it's scary for people. It's scary. Totally. For people, you know, I totally, totally agree with that. And the entrepreneurial journey 
I think just like food, it's not about the food. It's not really about the business. It's about the spiritual and emotional growth underneath. That's really the hardest part. That's what I, that's what I feel like. At least it's such a roller coaster. Um, and, and it, it does expose a lot of things about yourself and about the people you're connected to. I so I think setting, agree. setting boundaries is powerful f- for that purpose. And, um, and I think, to just going back, circling back that original question to the other piece is setting boundaries um, within your home is really important as far as your kids as well. I, I see so many women, one of the main struggles too as mothers is um, becoming short order cooks for their families and maybe, you know, even, you know, younger, gener- you know, younger girls for their spouses or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't want to eat that thing and da, 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 da. And oftentimes, it's because uh, mothers haven't set boundaries with their children and saying, you know, these, this is what I'm preparing and this is what this looks like to eat healthy. And if you don't want to eat it, that's fine. I'm going to put it in the fridge. You can circle back to it, but having, you know, ice cream for dinner or (laughs) cereal for dinner isn't an option. And I think boundaries look and feel a lot different depending upon your season of life, but they're super important to have. That's a great point. I I mean, obviously, that's something I don't think about because I'm not a mom. But I can see how you would quickly turn into like, you're making a separate meal for every single person. Um, I imagine that has to do, like, you kind of have to set the precedent, though. Like, this is what you're being fed, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want it, then you can go hungry. Yeah, and it's all it's much harder than that, too. You know, especially if you have you aren't somebody who set boundaries and now you're ready to. And that's usually what I'm experiencing is they realize now that they for too long were people pleasers to their kids. Right. And they're, mm-hmm. they, their kids weren't willing to try things or they themselves weren't probably in a position, you know, they, they turned their nose at vegetables. So of course our kids learn our, our behaviors more is caught than taught. And so now they want to make changes and the kids are giving pushback again, the body protecting itself. And so it's learning how to set those boundaries clearly too. So it takes an energy and investment to initially set those boundaries, but then the payoff is way more ease and flow when it comes to food and dinner preparation. Yeah. And I think it's a good point that, you know, it's really hard when you're somebody who didn't set them and then you're trying to change because some people, I see some, some of my friends, I'm like, they're just always, they have strong boundaries and always have been, always have had them. So no one questions it. But then I know someone like me who it's like, I haven't really I didn't really draw any boundaries until like the last year of my life um, and major pushback, like people getting very angry, like you're so like, you don't respond to me. You don't like me. Like, why are you doing this to me? And I'm like, whoa, just because you had 24 seven access to me before and now you don't, it doesn't mean I hate you, you know, yes. um, it turns into a guilt trip scenario, but mm-hmm. that, I think that's also an opportunity for growth because I, that's been a great way for me to distill down my group of friends because anyone who gave me that type of pushback and got personally offended that I was um, making time for myself and creating boundaries for myself I don't need them in my life and then all my friends who were like I think it's awesome that you are drawing boundaries good for you I know that they are my people Yes. I just had a conversation with girlfriends last night. We get together once a month, really just for a download session to kind of check in on everybody's life and share these goods, these, you know, the wins and the struggles. And and we talked about that exact thing. I don't think that changes, um, through each season of life. You just get more clear on who, who those people are. Mm -hmm. Very helpful. Um, well, kind of along this, uh, in this topic, do you set boundaries like I mean, because part of your business is online, social media, and like, also even with your clients, it's like you have to answer 
their questions mm-hmm. and um, how do you set boundaries with, with your phone and social media during the day to also be productive and also be present with your kids and your family? Yeah, this is a hard one because, you know, I have small children, so they they see me on my phone and it, it's different for me. I, I don't want to say it's different. It's still, it, the boundaries are harder to set because typically I don't do a lot of perusing on my phone that isn't related to business. But at the same time, my kids aren't developmentally prepared to know the difference. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, boundaries we've set, you know, personally is I don't look at social media on my phone for basically the first 90 minutes. I try to the first 60 to 90 minutes. I I use my phone. I love insight timer for like meditation. So I'll use that, but I don't open up social media until I've taken care of like the need to need to do things. And then, you know, there's absolutely no phones at the dinner table. Um, and I try not to even pick up my phone which this is a hard one. I am not perfect at this when, when they're home in the evening time to just be present um, and not engage with it, you know, from those hours where they're home. Cause now they're big, they're in school all day. I only get basically from three to eight with them every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think that's one, but I'm definitely, you know, having an app that, you know, shows you where you're spending your time on social media too is really powerful. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, I failed today. You know, what am I going to do to draw greater boundaries? And then with clients, I think initially too, in my business, I felt like if I wasn't responding like right away, then my worth was diminished. And what I found was when I actually drew greater boundaries, you know, it went to like 24 hours of response time. I'll get back to, you know, within 24 hours. And that's pretty much what I, I maintain that for active clients now. Um, but I don't typically, I, I for sure, do not work on Sundays, which is now not, not something I did. I was working, at least I'm not, there might be a project that I'm waking up early to work on while my kids are sleeping, but pretty much Sundays are out. I am like, you know, I am creating space and blocking out my calendar to be able to do things with my family and travel where before I felt like I couldn't, I had to be available all the time, um, to constantly grow my business. And so I find that actually it's like when I tell people I'm going to be out of the office, they, they have a lot of respect for that and they appreciate that. So I really feel like the opposite happens when you let your clients know this is what's happening and you're really upfront with it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I went through the same thing too, but I think they also, you're teaching them in that moment, like, because if you're not drawing your own boundaries with your clients, then you like, you need to be an example for them. Right. Mm-hmm. So then mm-hmm. that's harder for them to draw their own boundaries because when they see you doing that, they'll be like, oh, OK, she's serious. She does it herself. So I need to do it, too. Yeah, it's true. And, and I have to check myself, too, because I I mean, social media and responding to social media messages and stuff is, is very time time consuming. Mm-hmm. And initially, you know, I wasn't really good about in, engaging as much on social. I, I don't like social media for like the first year of my business. I like didn't have a website, didn't have any social media handles because I did not want to have anything to do with it. And then I saw, you know, over time, it's a necessary evil. And in fact, I find it such like a an amazing way to connect to people. So I had to shift my mindset to like, this is an opportunity for me to connect because sometimes you don't know. And, and, you know, not everybody's going to be your client, but mm-hmm. you do have the potential on social media to transform and inspire and at least send golden nuggets to people that are more transformational than you would expect. So I think it's also working on the intention and, and the why behind when you're spending time when you are. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, social media is his own beast, honestly. I can't, <laughs> I can't deal with it. Um, I do. I, agree. I do want to, I think, okay, this wraps up 
or this leads me into another topic that I want to wrap up with. Um, mm-hmm. if you're opening to talking about it, because I know you've done so much like of your own personal work internally and talk about a lot about the way you word things is interesting to me because you'll say like, I noticed that this made me feel like my self worth was diminished. Um, and like, I can tell you're very aware of where the emotions are actually coming from. And most people aren't, they just say, I just don't like, I don't, I don't feel good. Right. But you Mm -hmm. understand where that's coming from. And I did want to talk to you a bit about um, your experience with your miscarriages um, Mm -hmm. because I've never had anyone on here who's talked about that before. And um, obviously, I don't know what that experience is like, but I can only imagine how difficult that is. And I'm wondering sort of how that that played into your your relationship with yourself and your feelings of self-worth. And like maybe you could talk me through what that experience was like. Yeah, it's funny because you, you know, I love that it's organic, by the way, and authentic. But um, the moment you just said that word, I actually got chills, and I could I feel feel my body going into that protective place because it is a it's a hard topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, so many women go through it, and we're not talking about it. I think it's thirty three percent of pregnancies end in miscarriage. And for me, you know, we had, we had no problem getting, my husband and I got married. We had said we were going to wait to have a family. I met my husband when I was 13. Like we know each other really well. We didn't get married till we were in our mid twenties. You know, we had this perfect picket fence, you know, vision in our brain. Okay. We're going to have babies when we're five, we've been married for five years. And then we got into it. We were three years in and we're like, yeah, sounds, it feels right. Let's, let's do this. Immediately I got pregnant. So I was like, yes. And I was a teacher. So I ended up my, my first pregnancy was going to put me at an April delivery date, which if you do the math, it's like amazing for a teacher, right? I would Mm -hmm. be able to piece out the year early. I'd have five months at home before the new school year. So I was super stoked. And, you know, we waited, we waited, did some due diligence till we were about eight to 10 weeks pregnant to tell our family and, and the world knew we went in right around 13 or 14 weeks to, um, find out the sex And, um, so the, you know, you go in with the ultrasound and, um, you know, intuitively I actually knew something was wrong, but I was like trying to ignore it. My body, like I had all the symptoms I felt healthy. I'd never really had horrible pregnancies, which made it even more challenging because I wasn't like throwing up all the time, but your body definitely feels it. And I felt like almost like stagnation had happened or something, but I'd never done it before. So I was like, Oh, this is, this is normal. Just telling myself that story. And then we went in and they, they did the ultrasound and there was no heartbeat. And I, I remember frantically, like almost screaming, like what, what? Cause I could see the technician's face, like, and he's just this tech, right? He's not the doctor mm-hmm. and what a horrible situation for him, like to be in. And he like kind of refused to tell us anything. And the doctor came in and was like, you know, there's no heartbeat, you know, you know, developmentally something happened. And I was like, just hysterical. And my husband was hysterical and, so because of the stage, you know, I had to have a DNC. So I had to go be put under for all tissue removal. And um, so that was, yeah, it's such a shitty ass experience because I think the immediate thing is that that was in my brain was what is wrong with me? What did I do wrong? My body, 
you know, my body did this. I can't, you know, immediately is that fear of, am I ever going to have a successful pregnancy? And so all those feelings of self-doubt absolutely sent me into like probably the darkest place, you know, where I had been. I gained weight then, I ate a lot of ice cream, didn't want to move. And it was just constant. Like, I don't know, my husband and my mom really um, had to like pick, pick me up off the floor a lot to try to get me moving forward and realize that it's just, it's just one, you know, it's just one experience. And so then we got pregnant again and had another miscarriage. And that was earlier, like earlier in. So I wasn't as connected to it. And quite honestly, I feel like I told myself, oh, it's not going to happen. Like, this is not going to happen. And at like, you know, I look back, I'm like, did I, did I manifest that happening? Because I wasn't ready. So then we had to just do further evaluation to see, you know, my, my hormone levels were off. I had to supplement a little bit. And at that point, I was I was desperate. Tell me what you need me to do. I just want to have like a baby. And so, um, we finally got pregnant again and we had our daughter who pregnancy was healthy and happy. And I think that's why I was just, I was so afraid of losing her. Um, the doctor actually gave me like an at home Doppler, like taught my husband. Cause I had such anxiety. She was like, if you don't get your stress under control about having a healthy pregnancy, this is not going to be good for you or her. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, she gave us a, um, uh, the, the, the PA actually gave us an at home Doppler and taught my husband how to use it. And I'm not joking with you. Like every day, just for peace of mind, I asked him, like, I just need to hear a heartbeat. I just need to hear a heartbeat. And I mean, it got me through, um, I wasn't healthy pregnancy. I mean, I had blood sugar levels off the charts. I was eating a lot of ice cream and I, would I, would I change that? I I don't know. You know, I don't know if I would, because it's where I was at the moment. But, um, so we had her fell into another miscarriage in between, um, after having her and then had our son. And then we were just kind of like, we're done like enough, Mm -hmm. two healthy, happy babies. Enough, enough is enough. So that I can't even imagine going through that. And I wonder if like that made you start to detach like every, with every pregnancy, like, because it's like hard I feel like as soon as I, if I found out I was pregnant, I'd immediately just like be so emotionally attached to this. And then if that happened to me, I would be like scared to attach immediately and just like kind oh, of for sure, like keep it, you know, at a distance. But that's so hard when you have like literally a human inside of you. Well, and it's like you're constantly living this story. It's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Like this can't be happening. No way. And I, I've worked on my attitude towards it. It's still one of those things that I can tell I haven't worked through in life because like when you brought it up, I could feel it and I still have my moments of what if, and, um, you know, I do believe that everything that was meant to happen in your life happens for a reason. And I think that it made me profoundly appreciate, uh, pregnancy and having kids. So I'm like, well, maybe the, I wasn't ready. Like maybe I wasn't ready to be a mom yet. And then, you know, maybe I wasn't ready to have two kids yet or whatever. Um, you know, and, you know, just science wise, obviously, you know, it it wasn't, wasn't part of the bigger plan. So I, I think that there's peace now. Um, but there's plenty of women that are still going through that struggle and are still asking themselves the question is, am I going to be a mom? And so I actually appreciate the ability to be able to go through that experience because some women aren't going to have that opportunity and my heart aches for them. Yeah. And I'm sure like it it must help so many women to be able to hear from someone like you who is open talking about it. Cause like you mentioned, I mean, I just feel like not many people talk about what that experience is like. And I, it's, it's interesting for me because I have heard some people talk about it and, um, 
saying that they feel, you know, feelings of guilt and shame, but Mm -hmm. it's like, you didn't do anything, you know, it's absolutely not you, but like, why do we as women feel like, like, that's a personal failure? It wasn't, Mm. it wasn't anything you did, you know? I've worked on this a lot, and I think it's because it's the societal's it's not even societal. It's the reality. Like that's what our bodies are built to do. Mm-hmm. And so when our bodies fail us, we immediately, um, me immediately want to place blame for something that should be so intuitive. And I'll give another example that you're not familiar with yet is breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's supposed to be this very organic experience that we as women innately understand how to do. And I'll tell you firsthand, it ain't freaking organic or natural. <laughs> like It's hard ass work. I've heard and that. I, my friends have been like, it's so hard to breastfeed. Like, <laughs> I yeah. thought it was easy. I, I didn't know that either. Yeah, it's very hard. when, And I think what happens is your stress as a new mother is amplified. And a perfect example is like my daughter fed off of that. I was high. I was, you know, I, I, I when the, the, the week we brought my daughter home, I was petrified. Okay, so I, you know, I'd had these experiences in miscarriage. And now I had this beautiful baby. I did. I was so afraid of her, you know, being totally honest, like dying in her sleep, Mm -hmm. that I asked my mom to come and my husband and they stayed up while I slept. So we literally took round the night shifts and just watched her. So all day I was with her at the night while I, at the night while I slept, my mom, amazing. My husband, amazing, would just stay awake to give me peace of mind enough so that I would rest because I was so fearful of like, now I went through this process And so my anxiety as a new mom was super high. And so, of course, she feeds off that energy. I felt like I was failing breastfeeding. And so she fed off that energy. And now I realized if I would have just known more about energy and and that and and maybe that was like a stepping stone to understanding it more now is um, it would have solved a lot of our problems. And eventually it became fine. I've nursed both my kids for almost two years each. And it was beautiful once it all got squared away. But Mm -hmm. it's not as easy. And and no no right pathway is right for me as it was for somebody else. And so the last thing I would want to do was, you know, like shame a mom for not, aren't not, um, being successful at it, but it's, it's, it's hard work. Yeah. I also imagine socially that dynamic, it's like you already, it's, I can't even imagine how difficult it is to have a miscarriage, right? So you're already dealing with that personally. And then socially, people I'm sure are saying things or even if they're just like saying I'm so sorry that happened and it's like constant reminder um that's a whole other dynamic like how did you work through that well and and just to go back to time I was a teacher and I told my students I was pregnant (sighs) yeah and so um I didn't in the future ones until like I with my son I didn't even tell them till I was four months they they all knew Mm -hmm. they all knew I was pregnant but I was still living in the story that they had no idea and and when I told them with my second kid they're like yeah Miss Walker we've known you know for like two months that you were pregnant um and so that was really hard to come back to and I was I I find that the best thing to do is just to be honest like it's a learning experience for them so it's very emotional to share with them but you know they're of the range of like 15 to 18 and they really, they step up to the plate when you're human with them about Mm -hmm. things, you know, and connect with that. So it is, it's just one of those things and you get that like, Oh, how's it going? And you just have to just be strong and, or not depending on who it is and say, you know, it didn't work out where, you know, I kept telling myself, I'm just going to tell them, you know, we're hopeful for the next situation. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So of course I was really leery. Like I didn't share 
that we were pregnant until much further along down the road, even with our parents after the first experience. Cause I just, I was afraid to let other people down. And I don't know why, like my parents were really looking forward to being grandparents. And so I felt like I let them down too. And of course they didn't feel that way. I put that on myself. Yeah. I'm how old are your kids now? Nine and seven. Okay. So they're still pretty young. I just mm-hmm. think like, um, another aspect of it is, so my, my parents had really hard, time having kids Mm -hmm. um like took them 10 years to be able to have us and um my mom did have some miscarriages and when I was and I remember like when I found out about that like you know it doesn't really come up and I don't remember how it came up but like she eventually like that came out that she you know it was really hard for her to have us and like she had miscarriages and she didn't really want to talk about it much but I just remember that moment, like, being the child and thinking, like, what if, like, what if I hadn't been, would I be mm-hmm. here? You know, would I be mm-hmm. here? And also, I, it kind of shifted my perspective on our whole interaction. And I always felt like she was so overprotective of me and, like, the way she treated me. And I was, like, I remember just thinking, like, oh, that's why. Like, it was so it's hard so for me. her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I know every parent is very protective of their child. But there are some that you can just – sometimes you can just tell it's, like, more so. Um, and I remember just thinking, okay, this makes sense. It's, like, because it was so hard for her to get me. Um, like – she doesn't want anything to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I know that was hard for her to talk about, but for me, it was almost like, I don't know. I think I appreciated her so much more when I learned that part of her story. Well, I hope my daughter stays the same, you know, says the same when she's old enough to like comprehend what all of that means. But I do agree. I, I say it probably perpetuated my helicopter mom status, but that's okay. You only get one shot. So you know, I'll, I'll prefer to be overprotective than underprotective and yeah. let her kind of be the lead on that. Well, they're very lucky to have you. You're so incredibly you. self-aware. And I, like we talked about before, I just think that everything that we go through in life like prepares us for um, what's to come, right? And through all these experiences, you're helping so many other people. And I'm sure just listening to this conversation and listening to um, you share experience is going to help so many other women. Because um, again, it's like, People don't talk about it, but we have to, we have to feel to heal, right? <laughs> yes, yes, I totally agree. And we over, we underestimate the ability, you know, of the mind to be such a powerful part of changing your life, changing your body. And I think when we start to dial that part in a little bit more closely, then people will start to make that connection, you know, that mm-hmm. everything that happens up here is part of, um, you know, the greater purpose for change. So I think it's very powerful discussions. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Thank you again so much for coming on. I had such a pleasure chatting with you. Could you just remind everyone where they can find more from you? Yes, absolutely. So you can listen to my podcast too, which is Feel Amazing Naked um, on any podcast platform. And then you can find out more about freebies I have. I have some free workouts guides, um, a a seven day challenge, um, lots of free stuff to consume and kind of start paving your journey at feelamazingnaked.com. Amazing. Thank you again, Amanda. Thank you. It's so fun. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much to Amanda for coming on the show. If you enjoyed that, please make sure you reach out to her and let her know what you pulled from that episode. You can find her at awalkmyway.com on Instagram at awalkmyway. She is also the host of the Feel Amazing Naked 
Naked podcast, which I have been a guest on. So make sure you check out that podcast and listen to my episode and give her some love. She is an amazing woman. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It only takes a second. It's free for you to do. And it just helps me spread the word about the show and helps other listeners find this podcast. I also always love when you guys screenshot, share to social media, tag me, tag the guests, tag Amanda, and it lets me know that you are enjoying this content. And of course, if you are not already in the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, just search that on Facebook, join, and you can connect with other like-minded individuals. I hope you have an absolutely incredible day, incredible week, and I will chat with you again next time. Bye.